And before I begin today, I would like to open just with a word of prayer. So could we bow our heads and pray? Father, we're thankful that you are alive and active. We're thankful that the grave could not hold you and that you are alive. We're thankful for our church body and our family. We're thankful for your word, Lord, which is alive and active and able to equip us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to correct us. So Lord, we pray as we open it this morning, we come with open hearts and open minds, Lord, that we are the student, you are the teacher. Instruct us in your ways and show us and speak to us, Lord, in only ways that you can. Lord, from apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we wrap up, we will be in Psalm 119 today. For any of you that may not be familiar with Psalm 119, it is 176 verses long. I promise not to cover them all. But I did run into a problem. I really wanted to preach from Psalm 119. I love what it says about God's laws, God's commands, God's statutes, um, and everything. In fact, every single verse mentions God's law or God's character or God's um, statutes or the things that he's uttered um, in every single verse. And so I ran into a problem because I really had a hard time picking which one to cover because you read the whole thing and you're like, well, I could preach that, I could preach that, I could preach that. Uh, Maybe I should just go on to a different passage because this is too difficult. it's like choosing a favorite child, you know? They all are different and they all are beautiful and wonderful, but you love them the same and you just cannot pick one. Um, so, but I decided to rest on verses 9 through 16. So I'm sorry if you have another favorite verse or you have another portion of scripture that is your favorite. There's a lot to choose from um, and I couldn't please all. Um, but like I said, uh, the writer um, in Psalm 119, some say it's David, some say it's someone else, doesn't really matter who it is. The writer is talking about delighting in the law of the Lord and being blessed by the statutes and the commands and the things that God has spoken. And he's talking that he has an affection for them and a love for them um, all throughout the entire chapter. And if we were to take a personality test in here and we're all to take one of those, you know, Enneagrams or, you know, a personality test, many of us would maybe score... um, that we would be a rule follower, that we would be the teacher's pet, the brown nosers, Christina's raising her hands, yeah, and, um, and that, you know, everything has to follow the rules and has to be by the book and has to be structured and organized, and some people would fall under that personality. Others would look at it and say that, you know, laws are just man's limitations and rules, and you got to live to break the establishment and to, you know, get outside of them, and that's where true freedom is found. No one wants to raise their hand to that one, do they? Um, <laughs> there, there, Carol, there, all right. Uh, at least she's honest with herself, all right? <laughs> but that's the truth, is that we're a bunch of different personalities. Some of us, um, we flourish and we love laws and structure, and some of us feel bound and limited by it that we just got to break outside of it. But when it comes to God and his word, we're all to be rule followers and to abide by the law and to love the law and to obey the law, that there is no... Um, escaping that. We are to treasure it, we are to be under it and to obey it because it's our roadmap, it's our key to success. As Rick sang, if we want to build our life on a firm foundation, it comes for a love of God's word and God's law. And so we're going to read and we're just going to go verse by verse. Some will expound a little more, some will just touch shortly, but we're going to go through verses 9 through 16 just one at a time. So the writer starts in verse 9 and says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. How can a young person 
keep their way pure. A young person, um, as we know, can have full of life, full of ambition, have lots of passions and desires, and the opportunities to many of them abound. Um, you can go this direction, that direction, this direction, that direction, and there's multiple ways that they can live their life and we can take our lives and there's multiple roads that we can take in life. And so the writer's asking the question, how can a young person keep his way pure? How can a person stay on the straight and narrow? How can a person build their life upon a firm foundation? How can a person keep their life from stumbling and taking a detour? You know, how many of us in life have taken the scenic routes um, a few times? Or how many of us have, you know, taken a few detours in life that we much rather maybe have, would have been better on the straight and narrow? And so the writer's saying, how can a person keep their life whole? And how can you get the best out of life? If the first week we talked about how to suffer well and how to endure well, and last week we talked about how to own our, own our mistakes and how to repent well, this Sunday I want to talk about how to find your best life, how to find the blessed life, and how to get the most out of life. I think it would be true of all of us is that we all want to succeed in life. We all want to find success. We all want to have the best life possible, and we want to find the goodness in life. And so how do we do that? And the writer's asking, how does a person keep their way pure from being stained, from being marred, from being brought down by the things of this world? How do you do it? By living according to God's word. Now, if everyone were to obey that and to take that at heart and say, that's the message, I could close up and we could all go home and the sermon could be over because life can really be that simple. There's the old hymn, right? Trust and obey, for there's no better way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Following God is simply trusting his laws, his commands, and the things that he has set forth and the things that he has spoken and the things that he has uttered and trusting them as what is good in life and obeying it. But the truth is, is that um, sometimes we look at God's law and sometimes we look at his commands and we look at the things that he has spoken or the things that he has set forth and um, we find ourselves in conflict with that. We find ourselves maybe in disagreement. And I want to clarify something here before we get um, going on too far. Because Paul writes later in his books in Galatians and Romans, and he talks about the law being death. And he refers to the law as only being a tutor to lead us to Christ and to um, make us see our weaknesses and see where we have fallen. And it just reminds us of everything that we cannot fulfill and things that we cannot do. And and that is true in some sense. Before Christ, we do rebel against the law. We do set our mind and we are hostile to the laws and the commands of God because we want to do our own thing. We want to walk in our own ways and we think that we know better than God. And so before Christ and before we come to a relationship with God, that is our attitude towards the law of God is that the only thing that it can do is to remind us of what we're not, where we have failed, and what we have failed to accomplish. But the writer here is not talking about the law in that sense. The writer's talking about having a love and a delight for the law. And for those of us that are in Christ and have placed our faith in Christ, I hope that the law of God, that we're not hostile to it. In fact, in Hebrews 10, it says this. Verse 10, 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. See, when we have placed our faith in Christ, when Christ has transformed us, we've gone from being an enemy of the law and thinking that the, we're hostile to the law, but now God has written that law on our hearts. 
that it now becomes the thing that I live for, the thing that I find life in, the thing that I want, the thing that I desire is to obey God, to keep his commands, and to delight in doing so because God has written them on my heart. And so when we talk about the laws and we talk about the things that God has commanded and his statutes and when we can hear that stuff, think of it in that sense. For those of us that have been in Christ and Christ has redeemed us and saved us, he is now writing his laws on our hearts so that when we read them in the scripture, it doesn't go, I don't want to do that. It says, Lord, I want that in my life. Make that happen in my life. Instruct me and teach me in that way. But the truth is, is that we have an attitude sometimes that God's laws and God's commands and the things that he asks us to do or the things that he calls us to do we kind of view it as a prison. That, you know, the world is out there having their fun and they're enjoying the pleasures of life and they're getting everything else out of life and here I am in my Christian bubble and just behind the prison bars and God has just kept me from everything that is good and fun and I'm just doing this so I can suffer for Christ and I I get heaven. And we look at God's law as being restrictive and limiting and it's just, well, I have to do this or I have to do this. You know, all right, I guess I gotta go to church and I guess I gotta love my neighbor. And we look at it as it's this thing and this obligation that God has just forced us or twisted our arm into doing so that way we're good. But the writer of the psalm here is not talking about God's law um, as that and it's not a prison and it's not restrictive. In fact, if you'll um, bear with me for a second, you'll actually find that it is actually life and that life can be found in the laws and the commands of God. I love what-if scenarios. I love asking people, uh, you know, what if. And so if you'll entertain me for a second, is what if, for a second, people just obeyed everything that God commanded? What if everyone abided by God's command that we shall not murder and we shall not take the life of another? What if every single person here on earth said, you know what, I value another person's life and I see dignity and worth in that and I will never take another man's life What if? What if everyone believed the command that we shouldn't steal from our brothers and sisters in the Lord? I would never have to worry about locking my house or locking my car or doing anything because I would trust that each and every single person would not violate or break God's laws and commands and would actually have respect for my stuff and my property and never take it. What if? What if we were never to bear false witness or we were to never lie? then I would never have to watch the news or politicians and say, hmm, I wonder what they really mean or I wonder what really going to their mind or what lie are they spinning now? Where we could actually trust that what someone says they're going to do, they will actually do. What if? What if spouses followed God's command to love and to serve one another and to treat the marriage covenant as something that's placed and set forth by God and to serve each other and until the very end? What if people lived by that? Maybe that's too big. Maybe that's too hard. Maybe it's too complex to say, well, I'm not a murderer or I have never, I'm not a thief, but what if? What if we observed God's commands about money and we didn't serve money? And what if billionaires said, you know what, I'm not going to hoard or be greedy, but I'm going to give my money? What if we loved the poor and we served the poor and we gave to the poor? What if we trusted God when it says to set aside our anxieties, our fears, and our worries and to place our trust in him? What if? What if we obeyed God's command to love our neighbor as ourselves and we looked at everyone else as God's children and God's people and we loved and served them and we followed what he asked us to do? What if? I would argue that the news channels would have nothing to report of. You wouldn't have need for police officers or FBI or the CIA because corruption and crime would go by the wayside. Why? Because they feared God and they honored God and they obeyed his commands. 
And when you look at it, and when you look at the things that God has set forth, he's not just up there going, well, I just want to do that to frustrate Sandy and make her life miserable. No, he's saying, I want to protect your life, and I want what is best for you, and I want you to do what is best for others, and I care about that. And you start to see his character and his nature and his love for people and his love for you guys and the things that he's commanded you to do, and you start to find that it is life in those things. And that the very opposite starts to happen when you step outside of them and when you transgress them and when you break them is that you then rob yourself of life and you may, in very in fact, rob someone else of life and opportunity and blessings. I'm a large proponent of um, the thought that we experience happiness and joy and that is not a bad thing. In fact, that is a God-given gift and God would desire for us to find happiness and joy and life that he is a God of blessing, right? We read in the Beatitudes, blessed is he who is poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That God desires to bless us and to fill us with happiness. That is part of his goodness. He doesn't want us just to sit here and walk this earth and be miserable and to suffer and to just be in pain and to hate our lives. He actually called us to enjoy our lives. But sometimes we get it wrong and we think that if we're going to follow God, then we must lay our happiness aside and we must leave that at the door. You know what, God, I'll let that go, so I'll follow you. And we think that somehow if we pursue happiness and we pursue pleasure and we follow after that and we run after that, that we have to leave God in the wayside. But it's not an and or, it is a both is that when you were following God and you were keeping his commands and you were upholding his statutes, what you'll know is that you were finding more blessing, joy, and happiness, and that is your purpose and goal and destiny in life, and that you'll come more into the plans of God and his blessings in your life, and they work together, not against each other. So the writer says here, if you want to keep your way pure, live according to his word. This isn't foreign to the scriptures or to the writers of Psalms. If you'll um, just listen as I read some of Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and the laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you were crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today, they're to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And jumping down to verse 18, do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you. And you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on the oath to the forefathers. And so in Deuteronomy, he's saying, those, the laws and the commands and the decrees and the things that I've given to you, they are supposed to be a part of your everyday life. Teach them to your children. Talk about them at your home. Put them into place in your workplace. When you're lying down and when you're getting up, be in the word of God. Be speaking the word of God. Be praying. Be in the Bible, be in the Word, so you can know what he's speaking and he's commanding you to do. I love that part in Deuteronomy. It says basically tie them as symbols. They should be the forefront of what life is about. Lord, what are you asking me to do? What have you called me to do? And what are you showing me to do? Have a love for God's laws and his commands and his decrees 
Don't view them as a hindrance, but as an opportunity to fulfill your God-given destiny and purpose. Jesus in John 14 says this, if you love me, just sit at home and wait till I return and everything will be golden. If you love me, throw out the Ten Commandments. I came to abolish them. I don't care about them. Murder, steal, lie. I died for you and just, you know, I'll make it all right in the end. It's not what it says. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, do the things that I have called you to do. Then I love in the next verse, he says this, and then I will send a helper. <laughs> hmm. See, so kind of like God knew that we would need some help to fulfill the things that he has asked and he has called us to do. And so he's saying, you know what? Now that I have sent you your helper and the Holy Spirit has come, he is now empowering you and equipping you and enabling you to walk out the things that I have commanded you to do. Ephesians 2 verse 8, we love the first part where it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and that is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works so that no man can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have been saved and our laws and our commands and our, rule and our obedience does not earn us salvation. It doesn't save us. It doesn't earn us any special favor with God. We know that we have been saved by grace through faith. But now God has come to write those things on our hearts so that we can accomplish the good works that he has created us for us to do. And he didn't create it just for pastors or elders or deacons. He's created it for all of you guys. There's a good work that he wants Aiden to do. There's a good work that he wants Olivia to do. There's a good work that he wants Fran to do. And he's calling you to do it and to be obedient to it and to place yourself under it and say, Lord, I delight in the things that you have given me to do. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Taking emphasis on this, I have hidden your word in my heart. Not I have stored your word in my mind, although it is good to memorize scripture and to learn it and to know it, but let me tell you, there's a lot of people that know a whole lot more scripture than me that haven't put it into practice and that aren't living it out and that aren't following Jesus it's always astonishing to me that there's professors of religion in theology in some of our major universities that actually profess to be atheists. They have a knowledge of Scripture that will far surpass me, and I could probably spend the rest of my life pursuing it and trying to know it, and I will never catch up to them. But the Word of God is not just meant to be stored here. It's meant to be lived out. It's got to be applied to our life. It's got to be, and so we've got to get it from here to here. I've said it before and I'll repeat it again, some of the greatest dangers and some of the greatest hurts done in the Christian church are by people that sit here in the pews and they know what to do and they know what they've been asked to do and they can tell you the laws and the commands of God. And you can probably ask them and they could probably lend counseling to someone else on what to do and then they walk outside these doors and they fail to do it. They have failed to love their spouse or to honor their children. So the writer's saying, I have hidden your word, not in my mind, not just to memorize it, not just to know it, but I have hidden it in my heart. Jesus talks later about the parable of the sower, and he's talking about the seed, right? The word of God being planted. And he's saying, for some, it's scattered alongside the ground, and it never takes root. It never sinks in. We hear it, we know it, but we don't do anything with it, and we never put it into practice. And it says, for the ravens and the birds come and pluck it up. 
For some of us, we let it take root and it goes down and says that the sun comes up, or it says that it quickly sprouts up, but then at the moment that the sun comes, it scorches it up because it's failed to put roots down and to grow deep and to go beyond just some surface level stuff. And he says some of the seed and some of the word of God is planted among the thorns and it grows and so do the thorns till eventually the thorns and the weeds and the rags of life choke out the word of God. But it says to those where the word of God is planted on fertile soil, it will bear 30, 60, and 100 fold of what was planted. And so that's what the writer here is talking about. I have hidden your word in my heart. Lord, teach me your ways. Lord, you are the teacher and I am the student. I don't get to tell you how you should act or behave or what, what it should be. Lord, you are the instructor and I bow and know that your ways are higher than my ways and I need your instruction. And let it be planted upon good soil. Let it take root. Let it grow down deep. So that way when the storms of life come and the seasons of life come and when the ravens come to pluck it up or when the droughts come in our lives and there's moments where we can't feel God or we don't see him or we don't know what's going on or when the weeds of the life get the best of us where life and its busyness, its demands, jobs and all of that raises up that what I respond with and when my life is pierced and when what comes out of me is the word of God that I have the word of God stored in here that when I'm with a coworker and, well, not here at the church, I use that example, I'll use it for you guys, that maybe you guys are at work and, um, you know, there's just someone that has gotten the best of you and you're angry at them and you're like, you know what, I'm going to teach them a lesson and I just want to haul off and hit them, you know? I'm going to show them. But then the word of the Lord reminds you, no, there's a better way. I've called you to love them. I've called you to serve them. I've called you to lay down your life for them. And so what comes out of your life is the word of God. Or when someone has done evil or injustice against you and you say, you know what, I'm just gonna get revenge. I'm gonna pay them back and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just make them pay and they're gonna know what it feels like to, to be me. And then the Lord says, no, um, do not seek revenge. Um, let the Lord avenge so that what comes up and what comes out of us is the word of God. For when the enemy is afflicting us and we feel like we're worthless and we have no value and we have no purpose and we're just wondering what's going on and, and he just keeps pressing on us and saying, you're never gonna to amount to anything. You're always gonna be a failure. You're always gonna be this. You can turn back to Psalm 139 and says, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made and my soul knows it very well. You can look back and you can build your life upon the word of God and you can respond because the word of God is stored in here. But without it being in here, without knowing it, without studying it, without reading it, without ever being with God in prayer to ask what he is speaking to you, the only thing that you have to respond with is your flesh, your knowledge, your experience. And I'll let you figure out how that goes for most of us. So the writer's saying, I have hidden your word in my heart. And to hide it there, you gotta know it. You gotta spend some time with the Lord in prayer. Lord, what are you speaking to me? What are you trying to reveal to me? What are you speaking to me today? You gotta read his word so that you know what he's asked you and commanded you to do. Maybe you're wrestling with sin and you're wrestling and the things that you want to be gone in your life are just not getting dealt with and you're really wrestling the things that you want to do you're not doing. Read Romans 7 and 8 and find what the word says about the spirit living inside of you and putting to death the things of the flesh. 
Maybe you're wrestling with God's grace and feeling God's forgiveness and understanding what the gospel is all about. Read Galatians 1. Know it, study it, and read what it's like to be free. Maybe you don't know what God has done and you don't know, you don't understand his miracles and his powers and his works and what his, read the book of Mark and see the things that he puts on display. Maybe you're stubborn and you're wrestling with God and you just don't know what to do. Read the book of Jonah and learn how God uses a stubborn prophet to save a generation of people, to see his love for others. But you gotta get in it and you gotta know it and you gotta spend time with the Lord to know his commands and his laws. Because the truth is, what does it say about God's word? Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of heart. The word of God is alive and active. In 2 Timothy, it says that all scripture is God-breathed. The Holy Spirit authored all scripture for the encouragement, edification, equipping, and correction of all. So that if we need, find ourselves in need of encouragement, in need of life, we need to be able to get into the word of God and know what he's asking us to do. Continuing on, it says, Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Now, I don't know about you, but if I hit the lottery and I win a couple million dollars, I'm going to be pretty darn proud. And I'm going to make sure that I, I will be boasting and I will be screaming from excitement. I'll be posting it all over social media and I'll be quick to share that, you know what, I have now come into a fortune. <laughs> the writer here says this, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Many of us think that if we can just have enough money, um, we can make our problems disappear. And we just think that that's the answer in life. But the writer here is saying, you know what I rejoice in and you know what I boast in? You can have your million dollars. Bill Gates can have his billions of dollars. You can have your mansions and your fancy cars. You know what I got? I got God's laws and God's statutes and I got his commands and I got a faith that is more valuable than gold. So you can take all that other stuff but I got the incorruptible, eternal, everlasting, powerful and alive word of God that is living within me. So you can have all the other stuff, but I will boast in following the things that you have commanded me to do, God. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. This is a lot more than just sitting down and reading the Sunday paper and flipping through it and saying, eh, yeah, let me get to the comics. All right, done fold it up, put it to the side, and by Monday morning, you forgot what you read on Sunday. The word of God is to be meditated upon, to be thought upon, to allow God to let it penetrate deep down into your heart. Maybe for you, it's the same passage of scripture. Maybe it's one verse. Maybe you need to take it aside and just say, you know what, I'm gonna read these five verses for the next week, and I'm gonna meditate upon it, and I'm gonna think upon it, and I'm gonna dwell upon it, and I'm gonna make sure that I get it down inside of me, and then I'm gonna live it and I'm gonna act it out, and I'm gonna make this a part of my life. It's not just the flipping through the pages, hitting the spark notes, hitting the major things, and saying, oh, I'm done with it. It's a lot more like the Ezekiel. I'm gonna rip it out, and I wanna eat it because I need this inside of me. 
to instruct me, to guide me, and to lead me. And without it, I'm a mess. I want my life to be pure. I want to stay on the straight and narrow. I want to build my life on a firm foundation. Lord, and I can't do that without you and your word. Lord, it keeps me. I delight in your decrees, and I will not neglect your word. Lord, I'm not only going to agree and I'm not only going to go, that sounds great, that sounds awesome. Yes, Pastor Ryan, I love God's word and I'm going to keep it and then do nothing with it. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to meditate it and I'm going to live it and I'm going to model it and I'm going to put it into practice. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to proclaim the gospel. I'm going to share his goodness. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to pick up his cross. I'm going to find rest. I'm going to forgive. I'm not going to give way to fear and I'm going to live by the laws and the commands of God for in it I find life. Psalm 119 kind of just sums up what the first psalm says. In a little bit shorter of a version. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. For he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Rini gave a word of the Lord. I think a little bit about that. Finding the streams of life. That I want my life to be planted by the streams of living water. I want my roots to go down deep so that when the seasons and the moments and the floods and the things of life come and they try to knock me over, I'm standing and rooted upon the word of God and I am nourished by the streams of living water and I know that I'm not there yet, that I need my roots to keep sinking and diving deeper so that I am planted and that I am firm so that I bear fruit in season and my leaves do not wither and that I prosper. The word of God is a powerful and sometimes crazy thing. Think about Noah. Go build an ark. I'm going to flood the whole earth. And people mocked him because it wasn't just, the flood didn't just come in one year or two years. It was 100 years. (laughs) But you know what Noah knew he knew the word of God and he knew what God asked him to do and he said you know what I'm going to be obedient to that how about walking into battle and saying you know what here's the battle plan you're going to walk in you're going to march around the city seven times and then you're going to shout and you're going to see the walls of Jericho fall okay God how about Moses yeah you know how the Israelites they've been um, held captive and in slavery you're going to be the one that goes back to Pharaoh and says set my people free Lord, I can't, even, I can't even talk. I got a stumbling problem. I can't even get words out of my mouth right. Or Abraham, hey, go Abraham. Pack up your family, your belongings, your possessions, and head out to this land. And I am gonna bless you and your children will be like the stars in the sky and I'm gonna give you the land that is promised. Lord, I don't even have a son to carry on my name. The word of God asks us to do crazy things and bold things and big things. But if we trust it and we place our faith in it and we abide by it and we live by it, we'll find life 
and we'll find God's blessing and God's promise and his favor. So that's my heart for you guys this morning, to not look at God's law and command and say, ah, I gotta pick up and read this because I guess it's my Christian duty. Or I guess I gotta talk to God and pray to God because I guess he knows what he's doing. But to delight in it, to take joy in it, to embrace it and to say, God, show me, teach me, instruct me, for you know the ways of life and I wanna hear you and I wanna see you. Read the Psalms, 